This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Raghu Marcus, uh, he has spent two years in India with uh, Neem Karoli Baba uh, and with Ram Das. He has been involved in music and transformational media since the 70s. Uh, he has a uh, podcast now, Mind Rolling, which we'd like to talk to him more about and is involved in a number of things and uh, was very close with Ram Das, uh, somebody I'm sure our listeners are very familiar with and love to hear about your uh, experiences with him. Thank you so very much for taking the time uh, to come on, uh, Raghu. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis, Phil. Raghu, um, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while to talk about Ram Das, and then mm. in the interim, uh, he passed. And yeah. so uh, we, we're really glad you could come on and, and um, make him uh, the focal point of, of our conversation since we were never able to interview him um, mm. for the podcast. Um, right. But let's begin uh, with your own personal story and how you came uh, to uh, be with uh, Neem Karoli Baba. Uh, and feel free to call him Maharaji and uh, mm -hmm. and Ram yeah. and Ram Das. Yeah, um, that's my uh, famous little story of running a uh, freeform radio station, rock and roll radio station in Montreal, uh, where I'm from. And I was a program director. And somebody called and said, "Hey, there's somebody that wants you. you they want us to promote a lecture at McGill University, with, you know, the big school in Montreal." And I said, yeah, who, okay, put them through. And they asked me, and I said, yeah, who are we talking about again? They said, Ram Das. I went, what's that? And they said, oh, you know, Tim Leary and Richard Alpert. And I went, okay, I love Tim and Richard. That's for sure, because I was an acid head and uh, into psychedelics. And, uh, but I said, you should send me a tape. I just don't do things without knowing what we're talking about. So they sent a tape, previous uh, lecture that he had given. And I went into the studio and put it on. And that was uh, the start of a whole different lifetime for me in that everything he said, like anybody who's listened to Ram Dass, oh my God, yeah, wow, right. Or, uh, okay, it's okay, I can be a fuck-up, you know, it's okay, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, fr But then I put it on the air, and the switchboard lit up in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day on the radio station. It just, people never heard anything like that before. What, uh, Ram, uh, Raghu, let me interrupt you a second. What, yeah. year, what year was this? Because he was already yeah. Ram does now. Yeah, you really want to date me, Phil? And, <laughs> well, and, uh, we're dating, um, dating all of us. <laughs> you're dating all of us. Yeah, 19, uh, when he came to the radio station, it was uh, early 1970. Mm. Uh, I met him 69, 70 yeah, in the winter. Mm. So um, anyhow, I said, I got to meet him. And they sent, they gave me the address and I went over and there he was alone in some duplex in Montreal. And I went in and he just embraced me like with that total loving presence unconditionally. There was no Richard. There was no Ram Dass. There was just this uh, complete embrace of me where I felt completely safe and so uh, cared for. 
So, so much caring and kindness, you know, maybe when I was a baby that happened, but I, you know, I didn't recall <laughs> anything like that happening in my life that anyone, you know, how much, how great it is to get attention, you know, give attention and get attention. Mm. Uh, just think of it in the, you know, the nth degree of that with, with Ramdas in that moment. And that led me to have just gigantic trust. And from that trust, um, I, I, you got to tell me where it was that you got this shit. And I got to go there and I got to meet this guy. Uh, you know, I'm using very vernacular terms for the reality of who this being is. Uh, but the, all of that happened after, you know, spending time with him, you know, at his father's farm and all that stuff that you see the old videos of, and then getting to India. So that is how it happened. And uh, I was fortunate because he used to say, I can't tell you who he is and I can't tell you where he is. Because Maharaji had said to him, Neem Karoli Baba, you know, Ramdas, don't talk about me in America. That's yeah, all he did. I know. You know, <laughs> and I crazy. said to him recently, why did you, he told you not to do it. Why'd you do it? He go, I had a jewel and I could not, not share it. Mm. I could not, not share it. And, and, you know, that is the legacy we have from him today. You know, as he has gone, you know, a couple of months ago, sort of just, uh, is this, uh, 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 intention to share without any kind of self-interest mm -hmm. and that that's a wonderful legacy yeah ragu at that time when you when you first met him was uh ramdas still connected and and uh have an association with uh timothy leary and and i also i read recently that uh, timothy leary was not strongly opposed but was not as uh open to having a guru and uh, wondered about why Ramdas had gotten so involved in Neem Karoli Baba or any guru for that matter. Yeah. And, uh, so the two questions, and if you could just uh, uh, reflect on that. Uh, yeah, Ramdas, at the time that I knew him, and at the time we went back, he went back to India, and I followed him. Uh, you know, uh, at that time, that they were not close. At that time, my recollection. Uh, there was a time, you know, Timothy went off and he was having all that, you know, that legal trouble started right after that, uh, that he had. So, no. And as far as his, no, Timothy Leary did not have that kind of interest in in particularly the Hindu tradition. And as Ramdas himself said, I went to India. I wasn't into gaudy Hinduism with all these different gods and goddesses. <laughs> I was into Buddhism, mm. you know. And so this was like how how this all happened is, um, you know, it's certainly Providence that he met Neem Karoli Baba, but no. So, uh, Leary, that, that was not his thing, for sure. Um, Raghu, tell us about your first encounter when you went. Did you go with Ramdas to uh, India or how, uh, when you no. first arrived at uh, Neem Karoli's uh, place? I assume it was is up in uh, the Himalayas there where yeah. I, I went. Um, yeah. What was it like? Uh, what was it like? Well, you know, it's pretty hard to describe. You know, all the words that we can use in the English language are not, not so good. Yeah. Um, but um, I do recall uh, exactly what went through my mind that first second. He came out of the door and, you know, he was like this larger than life figure. 
and I was innocent, you know, it was like a kitty, you know, early 20s, right? Mm. Uh, naive, all of it, you know. And uh, he, I guess my first thought was, oh, shit, I know you. Mm. I've known you, and I'm, it's like one of those things, a forever kind of thing, you know, which mm. is not the right word, but I couldn't think of a word. But I, I did think of, I knew him. Mm. This was not new. I knew that. And then uh, just a, a vast feeling of, of being able to relax, like when you get home after a hard day at work and, you know, you've been going through encountering all kinds of bullshit with people and relationships and everything. You go home and you've got this wonderful sanctuary and you just sort of sit down on your couch and let go. Uh, that's the feeling that mm. I had of just being able to let go in the sanctuary of this presence. And the third thought that I had was, oh, shit, that's what Ram Dass was all about. Mm. And I can see he was just he was just a vehicle for this uh, jewel, as he called it, to come through. Mm -hmm. Raghu, when you met Ram Dass, uh, did he give you any spiritual practice or practices, or uh, did that come when you went to Neem Karoli Baba, or were there those specific practices that you yeah. were involved in. Yeah. Well, Neem Karoli Baba never taught, never gave any practices, nothing. He just hung. Okay. It's hard <laughs> to imagine, like, you know, and did he say things like, like he'd look at, you know, he'd look at us and go, and he'd point a figure in the, and he'd say sub ek, and the translator would go, he's saying it's, there's only one, it's all one. You know, that was our, our path. Uh, and my famous story is that I, I said to Maharaji, how should we meditate? Meaning, I thought he, he should give me a mantra, mm -hmm. you know, because you go to a Hindu guru, you get a mantra, right? right. <laughs> Simple. And he said, uh, meditate like Christ. When he was nailed to the cross, he felt love, not pain. He was lost in love with everyone. And I'm like, first of all, I'm like, okay, I'm Jewish, let's start there. I have no relationship with Christ whatsoever. And, uh, and then subsequently the next day, Ramdas, who wasn't there then, came back. And then I said, why don't you ask him, because how did Christ meditate? Because you have a more convivial relationship. And he did, and, and Maharaji just uh, closed his eyes and tears came, and he kept repeating over and over, you don't understand, you don't understand. He never died. He never died. He lives in everyone's hearts. He sacrificed himself he, for everyone. And he was lost in love with every sentient being. And we all were in rigor mortis because he actually manifested what that Christ thing is in that moment. And that was a huge ass thing. So that's how to meditate. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's a <laughs> lifetime of work to get anywhere near, you know, that kind of selfless. Now, so, and as far as, so that's the teaching. It was not, I mean, Ramdas constantly said stuff like, how do I raise Kundalini Maharaj? He said, feed people, mm. <laughs> you know, and then Ramdas, you know, he says this in the film, Becoming Nobody that we put out the, at the end of last year, that's still in some theaters around the country and you can get. It's a great uh, film. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Becomingnobody.com and you can get an idea of what it is and where it is. Um, and, uh, he, you know, so he says, uh, and he says in, in this film that um, 
meeting Maharaji, a surrender happened that was no surrender. There wasn't, you weren't doing anything. It was a natural falling into um, that was beyond mind. You know, it just was beyond mind. And uh, and so the the the, the teachings and so Ramdas would say, okay, he says feed everybody to raise Kundalini, but you know, come on, you know all my Buddhist friends they're meditating for like years, you know they're doing the thing, and he wanted that that's what he wanted. So he asked again, how do I get enlightened? Love everyone and feed them, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And and of course me saying this or even him in a talk from years ago. It's it's nothing like the reality of someone who's living in that saying. There's no way that you can, you know, possibly comprehend that. But uh, so that that's what the teaching was about. It was no practice. Did we end up doing practice? He'd say, "Did you go to the course?" And we go the course. He he said the course, and we thought, "Oh yeah, that meditation course Ramdas went to, Vipassana." Oh, okay, we'll go. You know, mm. that's how it happened. Yeah. Nothing else. You know, uh, we heard someone doing Hanuman Chalisa. So Krishnas figured out how to do it with Ramesh and, and what the words were and the phonetics of it and, and getting so, you know, our, our mentor KK Shah to help us. So it all happened like this. And with Ramdas, yes, when we went to his farm before we went to India, he was doing all of the practice. He was teaching pranayam, yoga, Sufi dancing, chanting, all of it. We, we learned about that stuff, which we have carried further into, as you see what Krishnas is doing as, as one example. Mm-hmm. We learned all of that stuff back then uh, with him, but not Maharaji. Yeah, I got the impression, uh, at least this is the way uh, when I researched American Veda. By the way, I tell yeah. that story about be like Christ. I yeah. never, I didn't know it was you who asked the question. Yeah, I know, because Krishnas, he ripped it off me. That's why. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, I didn't know he he did it. I didn't know who said it. But no, um, no. I my impression was that uh, Neem Karoli Baba would um, essentially farm out the the sadhana, the practices to you know different teachers who uh, you guys all learned from. Uh, at yeah, but even that sounds like somebody doing something. Ah, he just, ah. This wasn't happening like that. It would come up. He wouldn't even, he couldn't even, a lot of times he, he would just be asking questions, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as a as a way to uh, bring, bring awareness to whatever it was, mm. you know. Um, no, so, and, and as far as handing it out to teachers, no. I mean, for instance, it was more like, I mean, this is really out there, but uh, I went to see him once and I had to go to the, uh, to get my passport renewed. And um, I went by where he was at the, uh, at the ashram and just to tell him I was going off for a few days uh, to Delhi. And he said, so he says, before I could even say anything, he said, uh, did you just have uh, darshan of Tibet Lama? And I go, Tibetan Lama? No, I've never met a Tibetan my whole life. He said, No, no, no. You had teachings from a Tibetan Lama. I said, Well, we had this other Buddhist. I was going, Nay, Tibet Lama gave you <laughs> teachings. I go, Maharaji, no, I never met him. But he said, Jiao. He kicked me out. 
I went down to Delhi. I happened to know the uh, Canadian high commissioner who was helping me with the passport, invited me to lunch, and I said, hey, I'd heard that the Tibetans are being allowed into Canada, refugees. He says, as a matter of fact, and he, and he just turns around and coming out of a room is Kalu Rinpoche, one of the greatest <laughs> lamas of the last hundred years, and a retinue of monks that I had lunch with. And then they took the two CBC reporters, Canadian broadcasting reporters, took me into a room with them. And he got bored with their questions. And then he, they said, well, why don't you ask him something? And as soon as I, uh, they did that, he perked up and he gave me teachings for like a half an hour. Huh. Well, when I met him, I just about plutzed and hit the floor that Maharaj, like he, yeah. you know, he, there wasn't anything that wasn't available to him in terms of all of this, you know, that, that even though I knew that, I knew it from Ram Dass and he had done shit to me before like that, but this was like nuts to be mm. in the presence of that kind of a being. So that's where I got teachings from a Tibetan Lama and that's how that happened. Mm. He didn't farm anything out. Mm, it was yeah. just happening, and he just revealed it to me, you know. Right, uh, Ramdas, uh, in the last years, the last five years, whatever, toward the end of his days on this planet, uh, uh, did did he focus, did he emphasize, uh, what was his focus at that point? What was his emphasis? I think he, you know, obviously knew he was coming toward the end. Was it just going more inward, or were there... Uh, uh, any teachings or, or thoughts that he, he wanted to make sure were left behind from him? He really was just embodying love everyone, tell the truth. That's what he was doing. And that was his practice. That was his practice. Uh, you know, and he, the loving awareness teaching that was the, comprised the last five or six years of his life, something like that, uh, maybe even seven, um, that was what he transmitted to everyone through these retreats and through all the online stuff, the podcasts, everything else. Um, so yeah, that would be his, uh, you know, the big contribution, um, from him in, in formal sense, informally, when you were with him, anybody who went and saw him, uh, he, you know, he, he did what he did with me the first time he'd give you complete attention where you felt safe and, and trusted. You, you trust it, and through that, you were able to relax and be here now. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> he was being here now. I told this story at the memorial a couple of weeks ago in Maui. Um, you know, this be here now thing wasn't just a famous aphorism from Ramdas. Mm. It was a practice. Mm. And one day, I was at, earlier last year, I was at, at his house and uh, living there for a while, and I had a bunch of things you know, that I was producing, that I needed him to be knowing what was going on. It was morning, breakfast time, and he hadn't come down. So I ran upstairs thinking, I really got to tell him this shit. And I ran up there and I, um, I went, he was shaving in his bathroom. And suddenly he looked at me running in with all that, oh, I got it, you know, that kind of stuff. And he slowly put his razor down with his good right hand, left hand rather, because he was lefty. And he just, again, did that thing of just presence of embracing and just giving full attention to the moment. And everything just ran out of me, that head that was so full of stuff, stuff. It just left. And I, I was forced to just be here in the moment, you know, and, 
and and it was even at this stage of the game and I'd been through all this stuff uh, my own stuff and all the teachings and all the practice and being with around Neem Karoli Baba and, and Ramdas and many other great teachers uh, it was a, a wonderful reminder such a refreshing thing and that's just because he was living that mm. and there was you knew that and when he put that razor down, it was like a magic wand. Everything just turned completely into a, a different moment. Uh, Raku, you you knew Ram Dass um, for what? Close to fifty years, more than forty, more than forty-five. Um, more than fifty. Ah, uh, and but um, you didn't know him as Richard Alpert. No. Uh, and no. I, I, to me, you know, one of the great stories of uh, modern sort of spiritual history is Richard Alpert becoming Ramdas. Did you mm. ever, did you ever talk to him about that? Did you ever have him reflect on how he changed, uh, you know, through those years? Oh. Well, he talked about it a lot. We have, yeah. uh, if you go to the first podcast of Ramdas Here and Now, BeHereNowNetwork.com, mm. I just happened to look at them myself. They are the his initial conversion story, and he talks mm. about it a lot. Of course, you know, when we spent time with him in India, one time we were up in the Himalayas just uh, doing a meditation course, a uh, retreat rather, for a couple of months. And at night, I remember at night he, he would sort of regale us with the stories of what went on with Leary at Millbrook and mm. all of the other psychedelic adventures and... Um, uh, you know, and, and stuff around coming to India. Yeah, so it was kind of fun. Uh, but it is well represented by his own talks from the mm -hmm. early days in 1968-69, actually. Right. Which you can right. find, you know, on the podcast network. But Raghu, you are the executive director of the Love Serve Remember Foundation. Tell us about that foundation. Well, it's, it's dedicated basically to... Uh, Neem Karoli Baba and Ram Dass's teachings, and 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 also, uh, you know, uh, as you may know, we we've been doing these retreats for quite some time. You know, 15 years in Maui, and now in Ojai, where the where the foundation is about to be headquartered, uh, and uh, they all have a component of the teachers that we have been with, and Ram Dass has been teaching with for all these decades. Jack Cornfield. Roshi Joan Halifax, Sharon Salzberg, Joseph Goldstein, and I could go f further, but there's a core. Uh, and so our th the thing is really about bhakti-Buddhist combination, which is really open heart with discriminating wisdom. That would be the best way I would uh, couch it. And so, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's dedicated to that, which is our inheritance from Maharaji. And, and by the way, with Neem Karoli Baba, I mean, so many people he, he is in touch with and, and are coming through and to contact with him, of course, through Ram Dass, through Krishna Das, through all of us, through, uh, through books, through uh, Siddhima, who was uh, Maharaji left after he left in 1973, the saint who was with him for 50 years, this, uh, who is our Indian mother who passed two years ago. Uh, she was very much uh, part of, of, of Westerners' lives coming through. So it's a very living thing. Uh, he didn't seem to need a body to reach people uh, that were 
part of his soul pod, I guess you, that's what Ram Dass called it. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's, it's not something historical. It's something now. Uh, and that's what the uh, foundation represents continuing that now. A physical location in Ojai that people yeah. can go to. Not public. No, it's a headquarters, not a, uh, not a uh, center. Uh, we, with the people, we do, we, first of all, we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, we're just came here last year and, uh, we are just figuring it out and, and it looks like we will be, uh, located here by, uh, by June, July. And, um, uh, the, we do, you know, we still have local, we have satsang get together. The whole, this whole thing is around the continuation of coming together in community. And it's what uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says, uh, the next Buddha is the Sangha. The All next right. guru is the satsang. And that's very much what Ramdas, you know, that legacy is so much of that. And in the getting together, that, that presence of the divine presence, which is the big Maharaji, right? Um, <laughs> that is what, uh, uh, manifests and that is what people really uh, want to just luxuriate in the in the uh, you know in that bhav which is an Indian term for the, the spiritual resonance of the moment and uh, so yeah uh, who knows where you know this is all new to us as well since Ram Dass just left and it's all being formulated and the foundation is reaching out to do more of the kind of retreats we've been doing in different parts of the country. Develop. We have a fellowship, which is people getting together in their own cities and towns around these teachings, and we provide them all of what they need to do that. Mm -hmm. And educational institutions. With uh, we have online courses that are going to be turned into classroom curriculum. So a lot of initiatives where people can come together and be have access to this information, these teachings. That's great. Rahu, um, uh, those of us who knew Ram Dass uh, uh, mainly as a public figure, um, some of us have kept an eye on him over the course of 40, 50 years. And of course, I had to write about him a bit. Um, mm. But you had a, an intimate relationship with him. You were you, you had a friendship. How yeah. did, how did he change over the years? How did he evolve? Well, I actually, uh, I always say to people, Ramdas, for all those years before his stroke, which was 1997-8, before the stroke, he, of course, he is who he is, and he was who he was back then, uh, but he, a lot of the times, he was pointing to what the possibility of a human could be, by, uh, uh, and after the stroke and after the first couple of years of getting through that, um, he became what he was talking about much more um, completely, mm. uh, much more completely. I mean, whatever, I mean, it's crazy to think, but he used to say all the time, suffering brings you closer to God. Well, okay, he's, a, he's an example. I don't know if I could handle what he did. Yeah. I used to tell him that. But but for sure that happened. Fierce Grace, the movie is is a testament. You can you know to that. Yeah. Uh, to what happened. Actually, Fierce Grace is interesting because in the movie he said I was stroked by my guru, and he went to India after this, right? Mm -hmm. And he saw this saint Siddhima, who I told you about. 
and she, she uh, somebody told her about this, and she said, you know, Ramdas, you were Maharaji is not giving anyone strokes. Okay, <laughs> get it right. straight, buddy. If she didn't talk like that, I'm being right. funny, but but he she said certainly, uh, Maharaji gave you the awareness to be able to transform this suffering. And that's what, so after that, so he got straightened out about that, mm. you know. Nature gave you the stroke, not uh, Neem Karoli Baba. So, um, so he basically, uh, you know, once he went through and he understood all of that, you know, he just let go into this place, as I said, of, of just, uh, following the teaching of love everyone and tell the truth. Uh, Raghu, uh, any any final thoughts or feelings you'd like to share about Ram Dass with our listeners, and then I'll turn it over to Phil. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, I was thinking after he left, you know, what am I going to miss? You know, so much, right? Um, but just the, how about the sense of humor that allowed mm -hmm. us to be able to laugh at our foibles like he did, mm -hmm. you know, and he, in the movie Becoming Nobody, he says, yeah, the two most important ingredients are love and a sense of humor. So I think that that's uh, something we can take. And he just made it, as I said earlier, it, it's, it was okay for us to be screw ups. Right. It's okay. We didn't have to judge the shit out of ourselves and hate ourselves for the dark thoughts and the, and the screwy motivations and all of it, you know, it, it was okay. We could embrace that with love and let it burn out instead of running for it or increasing its intensity by virtue of righteousness and other motivations. So, uh, that, that was a, that's a powerful thing. And, uh, but I'll miss just hanging out and laughing with them. That's what I'll miss. Yeah. I always used to say that, uh, I think one of his great contributions uh, as a, a spiritual mentor to so many people was the honesty he had about yeah. himself yeah. and, and yeah, his yeah. own humanness, which yeah, most, yeah. most gurus don't exhibit. Uh, one yeah. last question. And by the way, he wouldn't like being called a guru. He no, I know, say, that. Guru. I know that. He <laughs> would certainly hate that. I know. Yeah. Um, but I, what I meant was, well, you know what I mean. But yeah. um, when, when I interviewed him for American yeah. Veda, I yeah. asked him what he thought uh, his role was in this, you know, historic transmission of uh, it, it, wisdom from India to, yeah. to America. And mm. I'm curious, I, I'm going to tell you what he said to me, and I'm, I, I'd love to know how you mm. feel about it. He thought a bit, and then he said, I was like an uncle to mm -hmm. that whole generation, our generation, you, you mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. like you and me. And, yeah. and I... I Afterward, I thought about that, and I thought how spot on that was. Yeah. How do you react to What do you think his role was to uh, all of us younger seekers? Yeah, I think that's good. We could have called him Dadaji. <laughs> if I had known that, I would have told him that. If I thought you should have told me that earlier, he would have loved that. He would have laughed his ass off about that. You know, that's that's a respected elder uncle. Yes, exactly. You know, right. Um, I think it's not a bad description. Um, I mean, for me, he was a lifeline, and for many people, he has been a lifeline. 
mm. um, to reorient a perspective that allowed you to have some spaciousness in your life and and not just you know feel like a depressive idiot half the time. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he was so many things. You know, he was a confidant. He was confidant. He was a teacher. He was a connector. He was a, a he, an investigator. He investigated so many different traditions and passed that on. I mean, he had, there was such a richness of what he represented. But certainly to us, as you say, I, I think yeah, Dadaji is a, is a good description. <laughs> okay. Great. Raghu, thanks so much. Uh, it's good to know. Uh, sounds mm. like uh, Ram Dass's legacy is in good hands. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to hearing more about what you guys are up to at the foundation. Thank right you so much. Information posted up on any podcast, everything. Oh, great. Our, on our website. We'll make sure that uh, we get that out. Oh, Thank wonderful. You. And let me know. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Phil. Okay. Thanks. Take good care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Phil? Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, oh, wait, a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not off the air somehow. Oh, I thought you said. Yeah. Us. No, I, I lost the. Uh... <laughs> We're going to have to edit this one, Dennis. I did edit it, makes it sound extra real. Yeah, yeah. right. It's all real. You know, <laughs> this is no yeah, You know, what? I have to tell you, uh, a few years ago, I was in Harvard Square. Yeah. I went to the bookstore. I picked up Be Here Now. Yeah. I swear to you, I, said, I stood there for I don't know how long. I read it from cover to cover. Really? I read it. I hadn't read it. And the one thing I, I didn't want to, I forgot, he talked about creating spiritual communities, which is nothing Yogananda actually spoke about towards yeah. his life. But it was, uh, so anyway. But yeah, I, I was uh, very gripped by it once again. Yeah. So many, many years later. Yeah. Had uh, more, just as much relevance and also my mm. understanding based upon my experience. Yeah. Appreciate wow. I, I actually had a similar experience when I was writing American Veda. I had to reread a lot of things, including Be Here Now. And uh, what blew my mind was how substantive it is. Because I just mm -hmm. remembered it, you know, right. 50 years ago as this yeah. far out thing. Yeah. But it was re it's really substantive. That's a good note to actually end on now that I can uh, mm -hmm. turn off the recording. Raghu, yeah. thanks so much. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thank Talk you. later.